highways. Yes. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. We had a dueling week. We had a, a Bateman week. We had a Pollard week. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted, of course. There are those individuals that just want to constantly say, well, you, you told me to draft a J.K. Dobbins, and he's not uh, playing yet. Or uh, what about Travis Etienne? And no, not every player is playing yet. You know, some players have already been injured. And uh, some players are disappointing. Oh, that's crazy. That's a player that you liked, touted, with might disappoint. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into the, the good, the bad, the ugly from week two. It's, it's, it's a lot of ugly, right? There's a lot. Of, I just want just to be clear. There's a lot of ugly, right? So scoring is down across the NFL. That means ugly for fantasy football. And there's nothing you can do about that, right? We're, we're, no one predicted that. I didn't know. I didn't know. But we, we have the answers of why that's happening, why the scoring is down. And, uh, you know, congratulations to the Giants. You know, a lot of Giants fans out there, 2-0. Uh, congratulations to the Bucs, Tom Brady. He came back for a reason. They're in the driver's seat. Kind of depends on what happens. Monday night football. Vikings win. They're 2-0. There's going to be three teams in the NFC that are 2-0. Bucks, Giants, and either the Eagles or the Vikings. Eagles are playing at home. They are only two-and-a-half-point favorites. So I like the Eagles tonight at home. So I think this is a better team than Minnesota. So they should be getting at least three points. I, I would think it would be minus three-and-a-half. Then I want to saw minus two-and-a-half. Vegas is saying, oh, we're going to try to coax people into taking, oh, the Eagles, they're at home. They just need to win by a field goal. Sometimes, though, even Vegas overthinks it. So I think that one, Vegas is overthinking it. I think I think it's much more likely that Philly just wins by 10. We were already talking about Monday Night Football. Why? It's all about Sunday. we got to talk about Sunday. That's what this show is about Sunday. 10 takes. So I will give you the 10 takes. Okay, the 10 takes is uh, number one, Ashton Doolin is here to stay. Uh, number two, Tua looks good, is good, probably good, maybe elite, probably not. Joe Flacco has won the job. He is the starting quarterback for the Jets for the foreseeable future. And if you're a big Zach Wilson enthusiast, why? <laughs> just, just why? Why? Uh, quarterback changing matters. If your team has experienced a quarterback change that creates volatility with all the skill position players, and it really matters, especially as those players become less and less elite. We'll talk about that. Uh, Kenny Galladay, two snaps. What? Right? What, what, what the hell? What's wrong with him? What the hell? I'm on Ross St. Brown is this year's Cooper Cup. So that is uh, takeaway number five. Is it because they play the same position and they're, they're equally as productive and completely and utterly dominant? with either a current Rams quarterback or a former Rams quarterback. The parallels there, we talked about all the parallels between Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson, right? That was the easy call. Justin Jefferson is this year's Cooper Cup. And then there was those trying to get more creative about it. Oh, it's Juju. Oh, it's Jerry Judy, as if, right? When if you wanted to get more creative, it was always Amon Ra with, with the next sort of close parallels. Well, plays the slot, has Jared Goff as his quarterback. So that's a takeaway. Travis Etienne needs more time. It, we, we don't want to have a snap judgment on Travis Etienne. Let him percolate, just like we let Nick Chubb percolate. Letting Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones percolate for a week. That, that worked, right? Wasn't that a good idea? Uh, there are some running backs from the dead zone that we were not drafting heavily that are looking like buy lows. So there are some uh, plotting buy lows out there 
that are that are going to fall forward for a bunch of touchdowns or are looking more explosive than ever this year in contract years. So that's takeaway number seven. Uh, Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins are not dead yet, and uh, there's a reason why we love them as prospects, have continued to believe in them throughout their, their early 20s, some challenging years in their early 20s, but we still believe that Cam Akers is, is, a, is a quality running back, and we're bullish on him in Dynasty, same with the J.K. Dobbins, and, and they are uh, coming back from the dead, and uh, you need to get out ahead of that. Kyle Pitts enthusiasts and uh, Elijah Moore enthusiasts and Michael Thomas enthusiasts. Some of them have been paid off regardless, like with Michael Thomas, but all of us and at some level, everybody's guilty, right? Like some people were bullish on uh, Elijah Moore. Some people were bullish on uh, Michael Thomas. Some people were bullish on Kyle Pitts, forgetting that these teams drafted elite wide receivers and finally, takeaway number 10 is that this wide receiver class is what we thought it was. There was a reason why we were heavily drafting wide receiver in the first round this year, unlike previous years, where we typically would lean running back in the first round and then go wide receiver in round two, three, four. No, 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 no. This year, it was all about wide receiver in the first round and then hammering running back in those next you know two or three rounds of rookie drafts. That ended up paying off in a big way. And it's not actually Pickens. It's the guys that were drafted in the first round. It's not Sky Moore. It's not George Pickens. Sure as hell isn't Alec Pierce. Uh, it's it's those premium first round capital receivers from Dotson to you know, Garrett Wilson, uh, Chris Olave, and of course uh, the best of them all so far, uh, Drake London, looking great. So those are those are my takeaways as I see them. And, uh, you know, off we go, breaking them down uh, it, one by one. Let's do it. Ashton Doolin is here to stay. And uh, that's there's nothing else to say. I have the most Ashton Doolin of any player in across all leagues. I picked him up in most of the FFWC leagues last week. I already had him in most dynasty leagues. He has a phenomenal-looking profile. I mean, he you go to playerprofiler.com, type in Ashton Doolin, or just go to Google and type in Ashton Doolin and player profile and player profiler, either one, right? You'll get right there. We'll be first on Google, and boom, you'll see, oh, this guy's super athletic, and uh, he was a dominant in college. Best comparable to Justin Watson, who was also productive. I can't believe it. It's Justin Watson and Justin Watson's comp. So... Doolin's going to be what we wanted Justin Watson to be, and he's here to stay, and he has convinced the coaches, I'm sure of it, convinced his teammates, convinced Matt Ryan, that he is the, the, the Z. He's the proper Z. He's a great Z. What you want is him at Z. He's a perfect Z. Running double moves, he can win in all quadrants, and he has the explosiveness down the field. We've, we've seen what Paris Campbell can do on the outside. Nothing, right? Nothing. He is the new Chris Hogan. Just the running all the routes and commanding none of the targets. Just the empty calorie route runner of the NFL is Paris Campbell. They need to move him into the slot, and they need to focus on using him like Curtis Samuel. That's what they got to do. Now, I know that he's been, he's been shifted out of position because of injuries, especially this past week, but they need to get back to that. They need to get back to putting him in the, in, the, in the Curtis Samuel role. They have to put Doolin in the Jahan Dotson role, and they need to put uh, Michael Pittman in the, uh, 
McLaurin role, but a, but a higher volume, more productive McLaurin, of course. And it's funny, like they they have to learn the lessons of Washington, who has their old quarterback, who's playing a lot better than their new quarterback. And it's just, you know, Chris Ballard, right? He's overthinking it, right? He overpaid for Wentz. And so so he he was wrong on both sides, right? He was wrong. He was he he overpaid for Wentz and, and then he he dumped him at a low point, right? So you he just he bought he he bought the peak and he sold the trough. He bought the peak and he sold the trough. What are you doing, Chris? At quarterback? You can't do that. You can't do that. If if you're a general manager and, and that's a move that you're going to make and you're going to get uh, hoodwinked that badly and you're going to sort of uh, misallocate funds that uh, egregiously, then, <laughs> then you're going to cost your team wins and likely a playoff appearance and... Uh, then your job is going to be at risk. So Chris Ballard went from a potential top five GM to now like bottom 10. Not just, not just the, these, these other bad decisions that he's made, uh, whiffing on DK Metcalf, whiffing on Sky Moore. Like he's just, you know, in, in the last few years, he's already whiffed on receivers in the second round egregiously, but the quarterback decisions. And when really, what do Anand and I always recommend these general managers do? Just blow it up for real. Don't patchwork it together. Don't send picks for Wentz. Don't send picks for Matt Ryan. What are you doing? Come to Jesus. Get on your knees. Eat some dirt. Eat some grass. Trust the process. But Chris Ballard refuses to trust the process. So they, they're, they're, gonna, they're, they're losing 24 nothing to the Jaguars. The Jaguars have the Colts' number like I've never seen. I've never seen. This is crazy to me. This is crazy that one of the league's worst teams can consistently blow out a team that most believe is, is, is primed to make the playoffs and make a run in the playoffs this year. They were supposed to make the playoffs last year. All they had to do was go beat the Jaguars, and they failed to do that. Remember? That's how the, the Steelers backed their way into the playoffs because the Colts couldn't beat the Jags. And now the Jags are like, hey, this is a mismatch. Hey, we we, we we got this, right? The Jags play the Colts. They circle that. They're like, okay, that's an easy win, right? So that, who I don't know. In the chat, let me know. If you have answers, I'm curious. If anyone knows why this is such an egregious mismatch, why is it so easy for the Jaguars to, to score against the Colts and prevent the Colts from scoring? I mean, you, you circle that on the calendar if you have... Jonathan Taylor, you're like, oh, that's that's a bunch of fantasy points. They're going to be up. There's is Jonathan Taylor going to run for 150 yards? Easy. Let's just write that down now. And then they go play the Jags, and it's like, no, John, this is not a Jonathan Taylor week. And running backs are more volatile than ever. Okay, that's a, a key takeaway that I mentioned earlier that we need to come back to. You can't expect consistent production from NFL running backs. You cannot do it. You can, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, whether it's Christian McCaffrey, whether it's Derrick Henry, right? And, and by the way, for all those that are like, oh, you you are telling us to draft Travis Etienne. You have all these Travis Etienne shares, right? First of all, I don't have any shares of Travis Etienne on Prediction Strike. Promo code UNDERWORLD. You get a, a $20 uh, you know, deposit and you get a free player share, right? PredictionStrike.com, PredictionStrike in the App Store, 
and you invest in players as if they were stocks. Who are we investing in more than anyone else? Ashton Doolin, not Travis. I never said invest in, in Travis Etienne on prediction strike. I don't think I did that. I don't, I don't remember that being a being the position. And I don't remember getting, and I looked, we have, I have one ETN in the FFWC, and it just happened to be in the fourth round, the mid-fourth round. So the advice was always Hero RB. Hero RB has been wildly successful. The reason is, as soon as you get into the third round, you have these running backs with blatant flaws or huge uncertainties that you really can't trust them to be your RB1s. And one of those uncertainties is, does this player have any juice left? That was an uncertainty with Ezekiel Elliott. That was an uncertainty with James Conner. What did I say about James Conner? I said he runs to contact, and that increases his likelihood of getting hurt. And that's exactly what's happened. He's a big back, and that's great that he can break tackles. Cool, right? He's nominally effective in the passing game. Fine. But in the third round, get out of here when he's running to contact behind one of the worst offensive lines. And no, we were not typically drafting Travis Etienne because we were drafting a running back in the second round from Barkley to Swift to Fournette to Aaron Jones to Mixon down the board all the way to Nick Chubb. I drafted Nick Chubb in the sleeper bowl, right? In the second round. I did that. And uh, that worked out, right? That's looking good. Looking fine. He's being productive with Jacoby Brissett under center. Now imagine Nick Chubb in the playoffs with... Oh, uh, 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 Deshaun Watson, right? That's going to be really nice. That's going to be super fun. And that's working out for everybody. Leonard Fournette is a bell cow's bell cow. Leonard Fournette has the highest opportunity share of any running back, second only to Christian McCaffrey. So it's McCaffrey and Fournette. He's going to have some big boom weeks, but these running backs, they're game script dependent and they're touchdown dependent and they're passing game involvement dependent. That's why they're so volatile week in, week out, right? And so, no, I don't actually have a lot of shares of Travis Etienne. I just like him, right? I certainly have him in a couple dynasty leagues. I like him. I think that he is the type of running back like Aaron Jones and a whole bunch of other running backs that have size and explosiveness and have you know, great feel for the position in the passing game. They're electric in space. These are always the running backs that we're going to prefer. It's going to lead us right into the arms of a DeAndre Swift and an Aaron Jones. And sometimes, you know, you're going to whiff. But the funny thing is, you know, you shouldn't be accusing me of having a lot of, oh, oof, podfather, oof, oh, take the L podfather, oof, oh, oof, oh, Travis Etienne. Nah, man, that ain't me. If you, if you actually paid attention Anyone that's paying attention knows the player that's hurting me the most at the running back position who was drafted later because you know the build, right? You know the RB2 who's who's giving me indigestion in the FFWC, right? High stakes. We were drafting this guy in the Scott Fishbowl. I mean, you name it, right? I was going after this guy, and I have big-time shares of this guy, a hell of a lot more than Travis Etienne because of what? Because of cost. Because of cost and team structure, right? Structural drafting made it very difficult to draft Travis Etienne. The only time we ever drafted him was when he started three wide receivers in the first round, second round, and third round, and then Travis Etienne fell to us in the fourth round. That's the one scenario I got him in seasonal leagues. So get off me and stop reading out my rosters on Twitter as if you know 
what you're talking about. You don't have my rostered percentages. You don't have my ownership. You clearly have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I actually have a lot of Chase Edmonds. If you want a victory lap on my head, go ahead. That was the craziest thing. I saw this guy. He was he was he was naming these players like, oh, Isaiah Pacheco, oof. J.K. Dobbins, oof. Cam Akers, oof. Travis Etienne, oof. I'm like, okay, first of all, well, those running backs check a hell of a lot of boxes, first of all. Second of all, I don't remember uh, Pacheco costing you anything in fantasy drafts, and I'm still happy, you know, happy to roster Pacheco and stash him just like I am Zamir White. There's no oof about it. Let the season play out with Pacheco. Let the season play out with Zamir White, right? I have more Zamir White than I have Pacheco. But again, these are people that don't actually pay close attention or have any idea who I'm drafting, okay? They're not, they're not watching the Dominator show, apparently, not paying any attention right? Who was I drafting heavily? It was Chase Edmonds. And yes, I will admit JK Dobbins. I have a lot of JK Dobbins because you could slide in JK Dobbins to your RB2 spot on draft day and then finagle the RB2 spot in week one and potentially week two. And then you have a potential league winner with explosiveness, pass catching ability, and what is going to look like what we thought would be a prolific offense that this offense would get right in 2022. The Ravens offense is getting right, right? Lost in this Tua celebration is that the Ravens offense is getting right. That When I looked at that box score, I thought, oh, wow, that's an aberrant performance from Tua. And that's exactly what I thought we were getting from Lamar Jackson. So I care more about getting what we thought we were getting and being happy that the original projection that, hey, you... Lamar Jackson undervalued in seasonal leagues in all formats, and this offense could be more prolific, more fast-paced, and they could throw more this year than they have in the past, especially with Lamar Jackson under center, and you need to get ready for the possibility that from Andrews to Bateman to Dobbins, that it is a fantasy points cornucopia, and that's what it's looking like. That's what's happening in Baltimore. That's something to celebrate. But no, 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 you don't want to do that. No, buzzards on Twitter don't want to do that. Buzzards on Twitter want to mention that I have a lot of J.K. Dobbins, right? That was the only guy that he mentioned that actually had a lot of. He didn't mention Chase Edmonds. And the only guy I actually did have a lot of because of structural drafting, because that's when we were drafting our RB2, uh, was J.K. Dobbins. Who were we drafting at RB2? It was J.K. Dobbins, it was A.J. Dillon, and it was Chase Edmonds. It was those three guys. It was those three guys because those guys have the raw material to rise up and win you leagues. It's not a league winner if you get Travis Etienne in the early third round. That's not a league winner, right? That's just one round after. That's just 12 picks after DeAndre Swift goes, right? And you're probably not going to get the same number of points from Etienne as you are with DeAndre Swift. So how are you going to win a league with that differential? You have to get these guys in the sixth, seventh, and eighth round. And if they can rise up and be RB1s, then you have a league winner on your hands. But again, those are just details. Those are just ADP details. Those are inconvenient facts, right? And, and not to mention the fact that I don't hate players. I hate ADPs. So let's not forget about that. It's also why I you know, didn't end up with a lot of Cam Akers. I wanted some Cam Akers. But again, with the structural drafting, you have your RB1. You're pounding wide receiver in those rounds. How could I get Akers if I'm drafting all the Bateman? It doesn't make sense. But again, why, why have facts when you're going to accuse someone of drafting players and not drafting on social media. Why facts are just inconvenient, right? 
But I just if 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 that buzzard had just listed Chase Edmonds, I would have I would have said, okay, this guy this guy's knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I I feel I feel the egg dripping down my face on Chase Edmonds. Like I'll I I I do not lie on this show. If you want to, if you had me on Truth Serum, and the guy that when I look at the box score and I'm like, right, it's not Travis Etienne, okay, it's Chase Edmonds because you look up and you see Raheem Mostert getting all the carries in a full blown shootout when they're coming back at the end down double digits and Chase Edmonds is nowhere to be found in the box score. That's a right. When you have the game situation you want, and then the player that you're drafting with, with, with valuable draft capital, right? Chase Edmonds getting him in the seventh round, the eighth round, that's valuable draft capital. That's not throwaway draft capital. Like when you were getting Pacheco, right? That's real draft capital. So that's a situation, right? Now, Look at Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne has not been in these shootouts. They haven't been playing from behind for any serious length of time. Think about that game against Washington. The Jaguars were up 22-14 in that game. And they won 24-0. So let's at least see a game situation that is Etienne friendly for the majority of the game. And then you can come to a judgment. Right. We know he could have had two touchdowns. He, he had basically he himself cost himself a touchdown. And then there was a bad luck, uh, you know, lost touchdown. So there's an overthrown ball. And then there was a drop pass. Could have been two touchdowns for ETN in week one. Knowing that the running back position is volatile, coming to a snap judgment after two weeks, this guy's played two games in his entire NFL career. Travis ETN needs more time. So don't give me the oofs on social media. Not that I even care because I don't have a lot of Travis Etienne, but I do believe he's good. I do know a lot of people have a lot of him because if you are shopping for a running back, he does have the fundamentals that we like. And so I want what is best for Travis Etienne. I want him to score a lot of fantasy football points. I think he will. I think he is a buy low and I want to give him more time. He deserves at least another week of evaluation. That is all I'll say. He deserves at least another week of evaluation. Think about Aaron Jones. Think about Aaron Jones. 30-plus fantasy points after a dud in week one. He's going to have weeks like week one in the future. So if you just reshuffle the deck in the schedule, right, it's very possible that if you reshuffle the schedule that Aaron Jones could start the season with two dud weeks. It's just the way the schedule plays out that, no, he had a dud week and then a boom week. Maybe just the way the schedule shook out that the... Uh, Jaguars were playing Washington, and then they blew out the Colts in week two, that the way the schedule shook out just so happened that ETN wasn't able to go boom in those first two weeks, and then he might go boom in week three and week four. That's how volatility works. That's how variance works. So you got to be very careful coming to a snap judgment on Travis ETN, especially seeing what Aaron Jones did. But let's also remember who we were drafting more of. If you want to actually look at the share distribution, I have twice as much A.J. Dillon in seasonal leagues than Aaron Jones, because there was a lot more competition for running back draft selections in the second round than there was with A.J. Dillon in round six. Like with A.J. Dillon, you're deciding between him and, what, J.K. Dobbins? And then J.K. Dobbins, as the, the summer played out, it became more and more apparent he wasn't going to be ready, so then the, the clear move was to go A.J. Dillon, and that's what we did. I even did a TikTok video and 
one of the videos where I did the, the your your best draft from the number 12 hole, that particular video did very well on TikTok because of all the engagement and why were so many people engaged? Because this is with the last pick. I said with the last pick in the fifth round, you gotta go AJ Dillon for max upside. That's what okay. It, that it, so yeah. And you're like, so well, yeah, AJ Dillon didn't really deliver last week. He actually had more touches than Aaron Jones. Same number of targets, more carries. So he just didn't get the touchdowns last week. So A.J. Dillon is looking like a screaming by, especially coming off this massive performance from, from Aaron Jones. It's still very possible that A.J. Dillon outscores Aaron Jones in fantasy football. Aaron Jones has not gotten the target share. He's not received the target share we wanted through two weeks. If you just were looking at the splits with Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams from previous years, you expected twice the number of targets through two weeks. So this this is a concern. I think that Aaron Jones is a sell and A.J. Dillon is a buy here. I would get off Aaron Jones now because this offense is anemic and there's going to be Dillon weeks and there's going to be Aaron Jones weeks and you're going to have to suffer through a bunch more duds. And it's very possible from here on out both A.J. Dillon and Travis Etienne outscore Aaron Jones for that reason. But in the second round, you had Fournette there. You had Joe Mixon there, not to mention Barkley was a second rounder for for uh, uh, most of the summer and DeAndre Swift. So you weren't getting that much Aaron Jones with all those other running backs in the mix. In half PPR, like the big dog bash or the sleeper bowl, I was drafting Nick Chubb over Aaron Jones, right? So that's how you end up with so much A.J. Dillon. If you have a guy with size, speed, and he's going to be one of the target leaders on the team, because they just have no weapons left, then of course you draft that guy in the sixth round. That guy's a smash in the sixth round. So big time, big time buy low right now on A.J. Dillon. There's some other buy lows at running back. Josh Jacobs is going to have weeks. Josh Jacobs is getting you know a, a, a ton of, of the touches. Now, he's a st we didn't know. We didn't know what McDaniel's preferences at running back would be. Would he turn to Zamir White? Was it going to be Brandon Bolden? Would it be a lot more Amir Abdullah than anyone was ready for? So there was this this huge uncertainty hanging over the Raiders and their run game. And then what, what we have now is a lot more certainty. Where it's like, okay, they were up 20-0. They ran Josh Jacobs. He wasn't that efficient. He ran for 70 yards. And uh, he just had the one target. But there are going to be weeks where Josh Jacobs scores two touchdowns. Just like Aaron Jones got the touchdowns this week. In all those touches, Josh Jacobs getting 20 touches didn't get the touchdowns. This team is going to score copious points, a lot of points. And a lot of those points are going to come on the ground. He out-touched Zamir White 20 to 1. 20 to 1. Think about it. I, I don't care about the yards per carry. He's still in his prime, just like David Montgomery. And he's getting all the touches. He's getting all the work. So there is a nice little buy low. And that this is a plotter. Right? This is the guy we were not drafting. I was afraid that this is what we're going to get from Josh Jacobs. We're going to get eight fantasy points. But the reason why he's failing is not the reason that we weren't drafting him. We weren't drafting him because we didn't know what the touch distribution would be. We thought perhaps that, oh, well, they're, they're, they're playing him in the preseason when they're resting their other starters. The coach doesn't respect him. Turns out that's all nonsense and that he is the clear bell cow back. In that offense. So he's just based on touch distribution alone, 
Josh Jacobs, a buy low. Same with David Montgomery. I mean, I hate to say this, right? Do you think I like saying this? You think I like being like, you think, you think this makes me happy? Like, I want to talk about A.J. Dillon being a buy low. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about J.K. Dobbins coming back because J.K. Dobbins is, is not dead yet. He's likely back this week and he's going to come back and they, they've taken it slow with him. And it's very possible that J.K. Dobbins is fully ramped up and ready to go. They don't have a running game. It's Kenyon Drake. They're eager to get him back. And when they get him back, I believe they're going to feed him the moment he returns the first game. You could easily see explosive plays from J.K. Dobbins. He was probably ready in week two, and they're just taking it slow with him. because he's, he's a sports car, and you want to be careful with that sports car. Just get ready. Also get ready for Cam Akers. Cam Akers not dead yet. Cam Akers out touching Henderson. Cam Akers commanding more targets than Henderson. So it could be that the Achilles is fine. All these Achilles narratives, people. The Achilles narrative uh, contingent looking big wrong, big wrong, big L for the Achilles equals death contingent out there, right? James Robinson, ooh, that, he looked explosive, didn't he? Oh, Cam Akers, it turns out as we broke it down, the show that we recorded the day after that Thursday night game, Cody and I in Vegas talked, we talked for 20 minutes about Acres, and we broke it all down. We said, you know what? This is some health issue, but more personality, more work ethic, more coaching decision, more teammate respect. And something happened. Something, something good happened in the locker room. Something happened where I don't know whether, I don't know what happened. Like the, the, the Cam Akers was in the doghouse. Like he was in the doghouse week one. That wasn't an injury thing. It wasn't like, oh, he's not explosive anymore. Oh, he stinks. Oh, he, he, can't, he can't push off from that leg. That's nonsense. Okay, that is nonsense. It's based on nothing. Based on people that on Twitter that think they have MRI results that they don't actually have. You know, that hits a HIPAA violation. Buzzards. Okay? You don't have his MRI results. Shut up. Okay? He was in the doghouse. Right? He was skipping meetings. He was missing assigned blocks. It was football reasons put him on the sideline. And then you saw week two, things change. This is the NFL, things change. You got to be, you got to you know, keep your head on a swivel, right? Right? Cam Akers not dead yet. So just be careful. Just be careful. Just dismissing big, athletic, all purpose skill set players in their prime on great offenses. I would just be careful, right? I, you want a victory lap on, on Twitter? Claiming that you know my my roster percentages when you don't, just be careful, right? Be careful on an Acres and, and a Dobbins. Just just be careful. It's all what just hey, they're gonna have weeks. They're gonna have weeks, and this Ravens offense is gonna be looking even better than the Rams offense. Just just do, do, do yourself that favor. Yeah, and you, and you don't want to fade like uh you know these Uber talents that could overcome all the odds. Like oh I don't know Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is a better runner than Derrick Henry. And why would you draft Derrick Henry in the first round when you can get Nick Chubb in the third round? I asked that question on a loop and no one had a good response. No one had an answer. Oh, well, you know, Kareem Hunt's there. Yeah, Kareem Hunt was a coin flip to even start the season on the Browns. He almost went to the Eagles. Like, right? So there was serious upside with Nick Chubb in the event of a Kareem Hunt injury or trade and then the return of Deshaun Watson because he could always give you those three touchdowns on long runs. It's always possible with Nick Chubb. And then he did it. That's touchdown variance. Hunt gets the touchdowns in week one. Then it's Chubb, right? Just it, it, where Packers, I prefer the bigger, more explosive back in Dylan. 
no surprise. Do you really think it's a surprise that then on the Browns, I would prefer, wait for it, wait, the bigger, more explosive back. Oh, wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's wild. But yes, yes, yes. So everybody just get ready. Get ready to start your engines on Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins. Chase Edmonds, I don't know. Chase Edmonds, I'm a little bit worried. Chase Edmonds, I'm concerned. I'm real concerned. We'll see what happens. Uh, David Montgomery is in a contract year. So I just want to make, that's another reason. You, you can trade for David Montgomery because he's not scoring any touchdowns. This offense is looking problematic, but we know the Packers have a great defense. And then last week, the Bears were playing in a monsoon against a great defense. The schedule is going to get easier. They get to play the Lions twice. They get to play the Vikings twice. The Bears offense is going to get better. I think Justin Fields is a problem, but their offense is going to get better. David Montgomery is going to be a lot better. I don't like to say it. So this is, this is what I would take away from this. If I'm saying it, if I'm saying David Montgomery is a buy low and I'm saying Josh Jacobs is a buy low, they're probably buy lows. I don't even like these guys. But you, you, you got to get real. You got to get real. Just like we had to get real when talking about receivers with a changing of the guard at quarterback, right? Now, if it's an upgrade like Matt Ryan going to the Colts, then yes, draft Michael Pittman with confidence. He's moving into his prime and there's no target competition and he's getting a quarterback upgrade. Cool, right? That makes sense. That's that's a good quarterback change. That's a quarterback change that you're buying, right? Uh, Devontae Adams, he's getting paired with his his former college quarterback, who's been uh, one of the more prolific passers in the league, one of the underrated prolific passers in the league right there with Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr. And they're going to be in shootout after shootout after shootout this year because their secondary can't stop anybody and they're in the AFC West. So yes, you want Devontae Adams. Those were the two receivers changing quarterbacks that that I, I, I was fully endorsing. I wasn't even fully endorsing Tyreek Hill. And it's looking like he's Tyreek Hill. The cheetah's going to cheetah and it's not going to matter. I just didn't know what Tua is. It looks like Tua's good. I think that that's official. And then the, now there's an open question of whether Tua's elite. Right now we're looking back at that quarterback class from a couple of years ago with a Burrow and Tua and Herbert, and that's looking like a hell of a quarterback class. And it's looking like if you didn't draft a quarterback and you needed a quarterback in those first few picks, it was a, a, a massive, massive, massive fuck-up by whatever GMs did that. Tua got a weaponry upgrade. Clearly that matters. Anytime you get a weaponry upgrade, it matters. Look at Tua, look at Wentz. The symbiosis between quarterbacks and wide receivers year in, year out is under discussed. And we always feature it in the draft kit. So what do we feature in the draft kit in the team breakdowns, the team previews? What do we what do we feature? We feature offensive line analysis and we feature, you know, weaponry upgrade and downgrade analysis and vacated touches and vacated targets. Those are the primary analysis points that get focused on in those team previews, which help lead you to the right decision so so often. Not to draft Aaron Rodgers because he doesn't have anyone to throw to. And Alan Lazard is a fake alpha. That's so clear. We knew this forever, right? We knew this forever. What's changed, right? I don't have any Alan Lazard. I like Alan Lazard fine. But again, when it comes to structural drafting, we weren't drafting a lot of Lazard because we weren't drafting a lot of wide receivers in that particular zone of the draft, right? It's you get Bateman and then you pivot to running back for your RB2. So I just wasn't getting a lot of Lazard. 
just because the structural drafting saved us so many times from drafting the wrong players because we can't always get all the players right. You might as well get the structure right. That really helps. Why do you think Kyler Murray's been struggling? Well, he is struggling and yet he is overcoming, right? So he only had 277 yards, only had one touchdown, but he overcame and won the game, right? He also rushed for a touchdown. He bailed you out with a rushing touchdown. And that's why you drafted Kyler Murray because he's going to bail you out, but he's not going boom, right? He wasn't a, a GPP winning quarterback this week. And it's been hard to play as much Murray as we've wanted to in GPPs because he only has that, that one stack pairing. The only stack you're comfortable with Kyler Murray is Marquise Brown. So when a, a quarterback only has one stacking partner, it becomes difficult to play a high percentage of that particular quarterback in your GPP portfolio. That's just that's just the way it is. That's why last week we ended up playing a lot more Mahomes than we did Murray. That's the game we wanted to focus on, but there just were so many more wide receivers were comfortable stacking with Mahomes, including you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling, you know, as well as Kelsey, as well as Juju, than Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray is about to get a weaponry upgrade. He's going to get Rondale Moore back. He's going to get DeAndre Hopkins back in just four games, just four games away from getting DeAndre Hopkins back. So Kyler Murray is delivering with some of the most bereft weaponry there is. And the offensive line doesn't matter as much to Kyler Murray because of his mobility. Kyler Murray is a the screaming buy low in fantasy football, especially if you're in a single quarterback league. Go trade for Kyler Murray. Right? That That's clear. I mean... No-brainer, right? Same with Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow is a buy-low. Joe, Joe Burrow's had a brutal schedule to start, and he's been under duress. They're going to fix this offensive line. They already fixed it in the offseason. They fixed the, the interior pressure, right? Now he's having problems with the tackles. They will figure this out. They will figure out how these offensive linemen can help each other. They brought in a lot of new people. They need to coalesce. I think that is what you're waiting on in Cincinnati is for these linemen to get comfortable playing together and to gel. They will. They will. The schedule eases up and the offensive line is going to gel. You're not going to see that many six sack games. I mean, it's just, it feels like deja vu with Burrow getting sacked again, but this is not the same offensive line. This is more of a cohesion issue. This is more of a gelling issue than it is Oh, they've got huge weaknesses, gaping talent holes, talent voids in the offensive line. That's not it in Cincinnati. So I'm very hopeful for Murray. I'm very hopeful for, for Burrow. Those are my two best buy lows right now. You know, I'm not trading for a guy like Dak. I mean, Dak is, he's going to be back. But then when he gets back, look what happened. Even pre-injury was not the same Dak. Why? The weaponry. It's Noah Brown out there. Now, oh, Dalton Schultz is hurt right? So this is a problem. This is a problem. Look, look at Matt Ryan. Yes, he had Doolin, but he lost Pittman and they, the team lost 24, nothing wide receiver talent is a big deal. And it really matters. Your talent profile of your, of your receivers really matters at quarterback more than most fantasy analysts want to talk about. Now, if you think about all those, all those quarterbacks in the NFL, that means Carson Wentz is technically a buy high that he could keep this up because look at the weapons he has. He has one of the best wide receiver trios. Plus he has one of the best running backs in the passing game in Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. He has the best passing game duo at running back. 
And he has Logan Thomas coming back. He's an, he's a size speed specimen, and he's back from the ACL. So Carson Wentz, a buy high. The other quarterback buy, it's risky, but I like it, is Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is going to be available in a lot of leagues. He, he only scored 10 points. He has the back issues, right? He has a broken bones in his back. Oh, that sounds really scary. When you hurt your back, you almost always crack the vertebrae. There's micro fractures in the vertebrae whenever you hurt your back in any kind of serious way. He's working himself through it. He's able to play. He's throwing the ball a lot. They haven't wound back his, his pass attempts, have they? Last time I checked, Jameis Winston threw the ball a hell of a lot, right? So why not, Jameis Winston? Look at the weaponry. They played a stout defense. The Buccaneers have solved some of their problems in the secondary, and Jameis Winston's throwing the ball 40 times. Just inter got it intercepted three times. But touchdowns count a lot more than interceptions in most fantasy leagues. So pleasantly surprised with, with a handful of the, the buy-low quarterbacks that are out there. You might say, oh, Joe Flacco. Well, Joe Flacco is not necessarily a buy low. I can't quite get there, but he has the weapons. He has Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson uh, and Elijah Moore and Brees Hall. That's why. Why do you think Joe Flacco is looking like throwback Joe Flacco? The supporting cast. Even without great pass protection, he's just dumping it off. He's just dumping it off. Oh, oh, oh. Michael Carter, Brees Hall. You know, I take it back. I take it back. Brees Hall and Michael Carter are actually a better pass-catching running back duo than Gibson and J.D. McKissick. It's close. It's close. But I, I prefer Michael Carter to McKissick more than I prefer Gibson to Brees Hall. It's so close. It's so close. And if you're a wide receiver and your quarterback is downgraded, on the flip side, it's a problem. Uh, Kyle Pitts, that's his problem. The problem isn't Kyle Pitts. The problem is it, they downgraded a Marcus Mariota, Right? What's what's Darnell Mooney's problem? Well, at least at least Andy Dalton was a functional NFL pro style passer. Well, that's not Justin Fields yet, and of course that's going to move Mooney down. I mean, those people that drafted Mooney over St. Brown, ouch! Right, that's an ouch. That's an ouchie. That's that's an ouchie. That's that's tough. That's tough. Now I don't again as a Bateman enthusiast and a Brandon Cooks enthusiast. I'm feeling a lot less pain, right? Certainly, if you drafted Brandon Cooks over St. Brown, you're not loving life, right? That's a bummer, but it's not its not the end of the world. Mooney, oh God, right? Look at, look at Debo. Debo, we knew he wasn't going to be as good with Trey Lance. That it was potentially an upgrade for Brandon Ayuk and a downgrade for Debo Samuel. We talked about that. McLaurin, right? He had a quarterback change. It might technically have been an upgrade, but you don't know what, Wentz's preferences are going to be. Wentz likes to dump it, you know, keep it close to the line of scrimmage. Samuel, boom. Dotson, boom. Gibson, boom. Carson Wentz is really a, a game manager, but when you put him in a game situation where they have to be in comeback mode and you give him explosive yards after the catch weapons like Gibson and Samuel, he's going to roll up 300 yards. That's what he's going to do. So all of these players were at risk. That's why like a T. Higgins was such a safe pick because you knew, right? You knew. And even A.J. Brown, yes, there was going to be a quarterback change, but likely an upgrade and certainly likely a, a team that's going to throw the ball more. And you know, in most leagues, you weren't having to draft him in the second round. We drafted him in the second round in the FFWC main event, 
but you didn't have to, right? You didn't have to, but quarterback change is very dangerous, especially when a player is going from a pocket passer to a mobile quarterback. That was Mooney. That was Debo Samuel. And there are just some embarrassing performances. Just embarrassing. I mean, Kenny Galladay, he's checked out. Kenny Galladay's just cashing checks. Kenny, that is embarrassing. Kenny Galladay looks at Devontae Parker's work ethic and passion for the game and says, hold my beer. Right? These guys are both like, they're the same age. They have similar physical profiles, similar, you know, singular boom seasons in the NFL. Hey, I went over a thousand yards once. I'm elite. Hey, I'm an alpha. No, you're not. The quintessential fake alphas in the league. I just Spider-Man meme. You, 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 you. Devontae Parker, Kenny Galladay, just gross. Just gross. And, you know, another player that I'm certainly trending wrong on was Russell Gage. I thought Russell Gage would be productive in the absence of Chris Godwin and Julio Jones. And he wasn't. He wasn't. Because we were drafting him in June. Like pre-Julio Jones and pre-Chris Godwin Herculean recovery, we were drafting some Russell Gage. Like, hey, Tom Brady called him. Tom Brady tapped him. Tom Brady wants him. And Russell Gage has been underrated in Atlanta for a couple of years. Let's go get some Russell Gage. This would have been the week for Russell Gage. right? You had Lattimore matched up with Evans. No Julio, no Godwin. This was it. And then he gets out-targeted by Scotty Miller. And that's see that's the end of the day. that's the end of the line for me. Now I actually dropped him in an FFPC best ball league that Sunday morning. I had to swallow hard because I was like, I think he's going to be productive, but I got to get Doolin. I had no choice. I had to go get Doolin, and I, I had to make the tough decision of dropping dropping Gage. I wasn't going to drop Joshua Palmer. I had to drop Gage, and then I looked up and I was like, oh, poof, dodged a bullet there. I guess Gage was the right move to drop all along. I just, I had to do it. Because, you know, I had to get Doolin everywhere. If Doolin was available, I was getting him. I was getting him. I mean, didn't he? Didn't he just look good? Didn't he? Didn't he just look good? Aren't you excited to have him starting at Z? He better. He better. You know, Frank Reich is already, you know, you know in, 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 in desperate straits. He could be the first coach fired in the NFL because there's expectations, you see. So if you have expectations and you miss expectations and you lose 24-0 to the Jaguars, that's the fastest way to get fired as an NFL coach. So what you need to do, Frank, is play your best fucking players. And that means dueling heavy snaps. I don't want him going all pro as a special teamer. That's a serious misallocation of resources. Frank, get out of here. But yeah, congratulations to Amon Ross St. Brown. We've incorporated a little more work ethic analysis and it's paid off for us. Our analysis is good as ever because we're, I'm on Ross A. Brown. What was the analysis? This guy works his butt off. This guy is one of the hardest working wide receivers in the league. His father was the uh, former Mr. Olympia and he has a work ethic that is absolutely mind bending. And even his brother, Equanimius St. Brown, is currently the leading receiver for the Bears. They haven't passed the ball forward much at all, but technically St. Brown has outproduced Mooney. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. You can do that what you want. I have a lot of St. Brown in deep dynasty leagues, but just do what you want. It's a St. Brown. St. Brown's work hard. And Amon Ra has that same list that Tom Brady made of all the quarterbacks drafted ahead of him. 
St. Brown has a list of all the receivers that were drafted ahead of him. Right? He's like, oh, Elijah Moore, Brandon Ayuk. He has the whole list. He just goes down the list. It's great. It's great. Watching him on Hard Knocks, that's what turned me on. So sometimes you can watch uh, something like Hard Knocks and you get, you're like, well, you know, I'm, I, don't, I, I don't have access to Hard Knocks for these other teams. So it's unfair for me to juice up Amon Ra too much based on what I'm seeing in uh, Hard Knocks. But damn it, he looks good. Damn it. Damn, he looks, he looks, he's, he's just clearly, he clearly wants it. And it's not like he's not athletic. See, this is the thing. If he wasn't athletic, then Amon Ra, you know, you could throw as much work ethic as you want at the problem. And you're only going to be, you know, as good as Jarvis Landry. But Amon Ra St. Brown is explosive. 129.0, 86th percentile burst score on playerprofiler.com looking right at it right now go to player profiler type in i'm on ross st brown and then you've also got the agility score in the 60th percentile underdog has their resurrection tournament it's weeks six through 16 and my big question is this is an open question i don't know how high in this resurrection tournament will i'm on ross st brown go he could go early second round that's what it's looking like. He's a top 12 dynasty receiver. Lock that in. Top 10. I don't know. We haven't updated the dynasty rankings yet. Top 10 is in play. Just just know top 10 is in play. And early second round in the underdog resurrection tournament. Just get ready for it. Underdog resurrection. You got to play. You have a couple weeks. So just to max enter. You, you this It's so fun, right? It's like underdog just breaks the rules like oh you can't have a tournament that's week six through 16 that's not real fantasy football that's some fantasy frankenstein tournament that shouldn't be allowed right i'm a fantasy football purist get out of here with your purity your purity tests your fantasy purity tests underdogs like is it fun we're doing it promo code underworld to get a 100 instant deposit match so up to 100 you put in 100 you get 100 and that'll help you enter as many of these resurrection tournaments as possible and green light to draft Amon Ross St. Brown right where you're drafting AJ Brown like guys named Brown I like guys named Brown more than I like uh you know Marquise Brown the clock is ticking because he's underwhelmed and uh DeAndre Hopkins is coming back but Amon Ross St. Brown AJ Brown go get him in the underdog resurrection tournament promo code underworld for that 100% instant deposit match up to $100 Hard-working players pay off. Now, who else is a hard-working player? Chris Olave. Chris Olave. My number one takeaway from week two is that this wide receiver class is exactly what we wanted, exactly what we thought we were getting, and it's glorious. The first-round wide receivers from Dotson to Wilson to Olave to London, and then perhaps tonight, Traylon Burks. I mean, it, it, we, we, we could get just the full house. We could get a full house flush. Is there such thing as a full house flush? There isn't. Spoiler alert, there's not. I know I, I'm, I'm a poker player, so I know there's no such thing as a full house flush. But it would be like getting a full house flush. Okay? Imagine getting a full house flush. That's going to be what it's like. If, if Burks goes nuclear, it's unlikely, given that the cornerback matchups are super stout. He's going to have to deal with Slay. It's not going to be easy. But it's it'll be interesting to see what Burks does because this... Rookie wide receiver class, you have Garrett Wilson going completely nuclear, 22% target share with the 100-yard games, with the touchdowns, and just dwarfing the production of Elijah Moore. I was not ready for this. 
I was not ready for this. I thought that we were going to be dealing with a big target competition and that Garrett Wilson would be a slow burn, that he'd have to develop route running techniques that he did not learn in college and that potentially a year away, and, and his ADP reflected that. His ADP was outside the top 100 on underdog for a reason, right? It, it's difficult to draft the number two receiver or the number two receiver on paper for the Jets. Like, do they have enough firepower to support? Well, actually, with Joe Flacco under center, they do. Flacco has won that job. Zach Wilson is officially a backup quarterback in the league. And Garrett Wilson is officially the alpha wide receiver for the Jets. You just have to deal with that. It's this class. It's the reason why we're so all in with this class. You want to know how many shares I have of, of Drake London in Dynasty? Like, almost 50%. Of my dynasty teams just happen to have Drake London. It's just the way it fell. It's the way a lot of these rookie drafts fell. Deal with it. Deal with it. He is a problem for Kyle Pitts, right? And Garrett Wilson is a problem for Elijah Moore. And as the season goes along, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's not, it's, 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 it's inconvenient because I know that many are very happy that they took the chance on Michael Thomas's health and it's paid off. And congratulations. Nothing but respect for Michael Thomas to come back after so much time off and to fight through that injury and all this internal politics and to come out on the other side after this meeting in Malibu where he has the right doctors and the coaches they're all getting together and they're all coming to Jesus and they're they're singing kumbaya and it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing but in the end all of these receivers have a rookie receiver problem that they're dealing with elites at the at the receiver position okay so just know that Michael Thomas is looking like a sell high because Chris Olave is the truth. Chris Olave commanded 13 targets after he caught all of his targets in week one. And this is the shock stat of the year. The shock stat of my recent memory going all the way back. year. I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time I was this shocked by a stat. So last year, Marquise Brown had the most air yards in a single game with 321. It was not Tyree Kill. I thought it was Tyree Kill. We're on Discord, by the way. So go to my my Twitter, at Fantasy underscore Mansion, and you can see our, our link to Discord. We're sharing the, the Discord link everywhere. And I put the show sheets on, on Discord, and we have a staff chat on Discord, where I actually chat with Cody and Dario. Most things that I would typically have chatted with them offline are now in this read-only staff chat. And I, I went to Dario. I was like, hey, Dario, off the top of your head, do you know whether this is the, the the most air yards we've seen even counting last season for in a single game for Chris Olave. And then uh, I went and pulled up the game logs and then sure enough, boom, like we have data analysis plus you can go to the game logs and you can just sort by uh, the air yards per game in data analysis plus I pulled it up and I was like, oh wow, like uh, Chris Olave crushed everyone's per game air yards totals from last year. Chris Olave put up 365 air yards. That's crazy. That's that's wild. That's crazy good. Chris Olave crushed everyone's 
per game air yards totals from last year. Chris Olave put up 365 air yards. That's crazy. That's that's wild. That's crazy good. I'm on Ross St. Brown is this year's Cooper Cup. So that is uh, takeaway number five. So uh, good for Cooper Cup and good for uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown. I don't know why I keep saying Cooper Cup when I'm trying to say I'm on Ross St. Brown. And I don't know why I'm trying to say I'm on Ross St. Brown and then saying Cooper Cup. Why am I mixing these guys up? Is it because they're like the same guy? That's not throwaway draft capital. Like when you were getting Pacheco, right? That's real draft capital. He bought the peak and he sold the trough. He bought the peak and he sold the trough. What are you doing, Chris? That's real draft capital.